Scripture reading this morning is from 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 to 21. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 to 21. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture say, do not muscle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the workers deserve his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elected angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. This morning, Reverend Lenita is going to preach to us. Here comes the pastor. And here comes the pastor. Thank you, Minghong. When you hear the phrase, here comes the pastor, what's your response? What's, what should follow? What would you say? Anyone? Louder? Anyone? Here comes the pastor. So what would you say? What? Let's run. <laughs> Drum roll, okay. Alright. In the Chinese congregation, they said, Kui pao, let's run. <laughs> Alright, now, I've intentionally chosen the title to be like that because what I want to do this morning is to preach from First uh, Timothy chapter 5. Now, 1 Timothy was written by Paul to Timothy as uh, Timothy was a young pastor that Paul left behind in the city of Ephesus. If you go back and read the whole uh, book of 1 Timothy, you would realize that it is about how the church should be set up. And so there are different officers and what you should do with the different leaders and how to manage the ministry of the local church. And so this particular passage that we are looking at, starting from verse 17, he begins by the elders who direct the affairs of the church. Now, in, in this uh, particular uh, passage, the word elders, uh, in the original Greek word, it's uh, presbyteros. Okay, presbyteros. And so in English, it means um, it's uh, often pronounced as presbyter. Now, those of you who are familiar with the Presbyterian Church uh, would know where the word comes from. Uh, presbyter meaning elder, all right? And so in Chinese, it is called Zhang Lao Hui. And so here, as we look at the word elder, we wonder where it comes from, all right? The word was first used in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Now, we know that when Jesus was on earth, he called uh, his followers and they were called apostles or disciples. And then when Jesus uh, um, was crucified, uh, then uh, buried and ascended into heaven, then the uh, Peter and uh, uh, James and John started the early church. They were just called disciples. But in Acts 11, let's see if it works. Um, okay, in Acts 11, when... After the persecution, the believers were scattered all around the world then. 
And then what uh, the Christians did, the followers did, was that they went to different towns and then they gathered together, they shared the news about Jesus Christ and more people uh, believe in Jesus Christ. And so there's this incident in Acts 11 where Barnabas went to Antioch. And when he saw the believers there, he then went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Paul was still known as Saul at that time. And then when he found uh, Saul, the Bible tells us that he then went back to Antioch. He then went to Antioch. And then it was at Antioch that the uh, disciples were first called Christian. Okay, so this is a very important passage for you if you are looking at the what happened in the early church. And then at the end of this passage, it was said that somebody, a prophet, prophesied that the church in Judea will face a severe famine. And that's the mother church, that's the main church. And the church in Antioch then decided to gather a gift, and offering. And so then they sent Paul and Barnabas with that gift back to the church in Judea. And in verse 30, it says this, they did send in their gift to the elders, meaning at that point, they were already elders in the Judean church, but not in the church in Antioch. Right, and then that's Acts 11. And then as we go on to Acts 14, just before Paul and Barnabas, after all their supervision visit, they were going back to uh, Jerusalem, they went to different cities. And in each city, we read Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with fasting and prayer, committed them to the Lord. Now, how the appointment was done, how the election was done, we do not know. We're not going to go into that, all right? But then, as we look at First Timothy, uh, the whole of First Timothy, then we realize that in chapter three, actually Paul had two other roles that he mentioned. First is the word that we now translate as overseers. The original Greek word is episcopus. Okay, and so that's where we get the word episcopal, meaning bishop. So today when we talk about bishop's office, uh, we use the word episcopal office, okay, so that it sounds like, you know, very proper. And then, but uh, in the Bible, it uses the word overseers. And in verse 3, it talks about uh, deacons, okay, the Greek word is diakonos, and so it's translated as deacon. And so these are all different roles. So you have overseers, you have uh, bishops, you have deacons, and then you have elders. It seems like in the letters of Paul, he seemed to interchange the roles. Right? And so it could mean sometimes presbyter and deacons, sometimes deacons and overseers. And so he seemed to be interchanging the role. But in Ephesians chapter 4, he talked about the gifts that God gave to the church. And so he said Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so here you have all these terms. And so now to really explain, to go uh, deep into it, or to look at the history of the development of um, uh, a clergy, lay people, uh, paid uh, staff, or, or volunteer, it's going to take more than just one Sunday morning uh, sermon. But what I want to do this morning, because as uh, Ming Hung has said, uh, today is what annual conference, our annual conference designate today as Pastors Appreciation Sunday. Uh, in Chinese, it's uh, uh, Sutia Jingping, which actually translates as Christian soldier. 
Uh, now, that has a different meaning. And so normally in English, we would say Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Now, it's a day when pastors are supposed to take leave and go young kaki and not preach. You know, so somebody asked me, how come you're preaching today? And I said, I want to preach today on a two very sensitive issue taken from this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's about provisions and discipline. And so as we look at these two issues this morning, let's look at the first issue. Okay, Paul says the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour. Now, although, like I said, the word used is elders, I'm going to use it to mean pastors. Okay, and so pastors who direct the affairs of the church. The word direct can mean lead, can mean guide, can mean manage, can mean have authority over, can also mean to care and watch over. Now, for all of us, we know, right? Um, Many of us, uh, we work under someone, a manager, a boss, you know, a, a supervisor or a leader. How that leader leads, how the person watch over us, it can mean two things, all right? can be like a dictator, all right? Uh, uh, Jesus said, Lord over a people. Or as a Christian leader, it should be uh, with the attitude of serving and servanthood. And so the first point that I want to uh, make this morning is about honour and provisions. Right now, in the Chinese culture, the word honour, we don't have problems, right? Because we're taught from young to respect our elders and then we, we need to give them, uh, we, we address them differently, your uncles, aunties and, and so on, you know, your grand-aunt. All these titles, we're very used to it. But sometimes in the church, we get a bit confused, all right? And especially uh, this morning, that's why I want to explain so that we are not confused. Roles and function. When you talk about honour, you're talking about roles and function. Now, a pastor, when you use the word pastor, it can be a role, all right? Uh, the pastor of the church. Uh, we have five pastors here at FMC, and so that's why uh, Ming Hum was saying it's very easy in English, you just pastors, everybody, all right? Um, that can, but then it's also a title. Uh, in, uh, in the Methodist Church in Sarawak, we have two ordinations. So people like Pastor Finson, he joins in. Now, after three years, he would be ordained a deacon, right? And then you give him the title reverend. And so that's like reverend thing, okay? And then after another two years, the person would be ordained as an elder, and then, but still considered reverend, all right? And so sometimes we say, okay, Pastor Finson, but reverend thing, but reverend Gabriel, but that's the title, okay? That's the function. Our role or our roles are pastors. And so we are your pastors, okay? And so it's, it's not wrong to address all of us as pastor. This is my pastor, Pastor Lanita, pastor, or just called pastor. And that's fine. In fact, for me, it's a very endearing term. It's a very familiar term that we're all part of the family. This is my pastor. You know, there's a, a sense of relationship there. And of course, the word reverend, 
Okay, like I said, after ordination, uh, we use the word reverend. Now, very often for those of us who know Mandarin, uh, it's called Musi. So we think reverend equals Musi, but you see that I put the symbol there, not equal. Okay, you can call somebody Musi, but you can't call somebody just reverend. Because reverend is not a proper noun. Okay, this is English lesson. Alright, it's not a proper noun. You need to attach something to the end of it. So Reverend Ling, Reverend Ding, you know. But that's why I tell people, don't call me Reverend Lanita Kyung Xiao Kyung. And if you add DS to the front, you get Tan Tai at the end of it. Alright? So no, just pasta. And so this is where when we talk about honor. And some people feel that, oh, honor must say, Reverend Lanita Tiong Xiao Kyung. Oh no, please don't. All right. Okay, poor children, they will all get confused and all tongue-tied. That's our role and function. And then when we talk about provisions, then it gets more sensitive. Okay. And so here Paul reminds Timothy, elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And then he went on to say that the scripture says, do not muscle an ox when it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. Now this is often very sensitive because Paul himself, we all know, was a tent maker. He had a job to support himself through his ministry. All right? And so there seems to be a school of thought that, well, pastors should be volunteers, should not be paid. But then if we look at what Paul wrote to other churches, not just about himself, but also about others, in Philippians especially, he talked about him receiving gifts. Okay, In Philippians chapter 4, he says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. So it means that the Philippian church did support Paul financially or giving gifts of we don't know what, okay, whether food or, or clothes or other provisions, we don't know. But it's very clear that Paul received from the Philippian church when he started out. And then after that, he went on. So when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once. Right? So he received the aid from the Philippian church. And then finally, in verse 18, he says, Now that I have received the gifts you sent. Okay? And so then we see that Paul did receive some form of provisions. We do not know what, all right? But he did receive. And then, of course, if you go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there was also there. But what I want to highlight this morning is that when Paul says the worker deserves his uh, wages, he quoted two verses, okay? He says, do not muscle the ox, uh, the ox uh, that's taken from Deuteronomy chapter 25, and then the worker deserves his wages. That's from Luke chapter 10. Now let's look at these two quotations. Okay? Now in Deuteronomy, among all the laws of justice and fairness, in between that you have this. Sounds very odd. Okay, Why should God care for the ox? 
An ox is an animal of labour, it's just doing its work. Why did God have to say, do not muscle an ox when it's treading out the grain? The grain? Why? As the ox tread on the grains, it should be allowed to eat the grains. As it works, it should be allowed to eat and you do not put a muscle over its mouth. Okay, and then in 1 Corinthians, Paul then asked the question, do you think God is concerned about the ox? Yes, but he's also concerned. So surely he says this for us, doesn't he? To the Corinthian church. Yes, it is because it is written for us because whoever plows and treasures should be able to share in the hope of the harvest. So the worker should share in the harvest. That's what Paul is saying. And then, of course, the other quotation that is taken from Luke chapter 10. This is where Jesus himself, when he sent out the 70, remember the incident where he sent out the 70 two by two? And then he says, I'm sending you out. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals. You've got no provisions of your own. How are you going to survive? And then he goes on to say, when you enter a house, say peace. And then in verse 7, when you enter a house, stay there. Eat and drink whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. And so here, these are the two quotations that Paul uh, wrote to Timothy about. And so like I said, we're very, very thankful for uh, uh, the annual conference. Now, some of you may not know it, the annual conference, when it was first set up many, many years ago, our forefathers really, really have the foresight and the wisdom from God. It's what is called a central pool system. All right, Church members, when we give to the annual conference, our membership tithe goes into a pool of funds that pays the salary of the pastors. And there is a salary scale. So it doesn't matter whether a pastor is in big city, Kuching, or Ulu, Ulu, Kapit, or Belaga, or Kanawit. There is that scale for the pastors. And that comes from the annual conference. And then the church where we pastor is expected to provide accommodation, whatever it may be, and transport again, whatever it may be. And so that's the way the system works. And so we're very, very grateful as Methodist pastors here in Sarawak. We are well provided for and well taken care of when we think about the provisions. And so, but then there's always these two extremes, isn't it? A church mouse, poor as a church mouse, we all know the saying, all right? And so there's always this extreme of, well, uh, let's not pay the pastor too much, uh, pay the pastor little so that the pastor can live by faith, all right? And then the pastor becomes as poor as a church mouse. Or very, very sadly, the other extreme, where pastors then live too lavish, extravagant lifestyle. Now you see there a 7 million mansion and a 10 million private jet. That's owned by a pastor, not in Malaysia, right? And so that's the extreme end. And so when we talk about honour and provision, we need God's wisdom. 
we need God's help, we need God's wisdom as to how we would provide and honour our pastors. Now, of course, in recent years, we have heard of, you know, the extremes. As I said, today is Pastors Appreciation Sunday. Very often, it is where, depending on where you put the apostrophe, isn't it, for you to appreciate the pastor. But I've always loved the way that if we put the apostrophe at the end, it is for pastors to also express our appreciation. And we really do appreciate the fact that we are here in FMC and how all of you have expressed your love and care and concern for us. And so this is the pastoral team saying thank you to you. Brothers and sisters in Christ of FMC, I really want to thank all of you for loving me and, uh, and being concerned for me, for my mom, Karen and Mabel, uh, since we came uh, to, be, uh, to be here in Kuching. I've really enjoyed my time being your pastor and I'm just so blessed. Throughout the pandemic, all of you have extended all kinds of care and love and prayers for me and so on this Pastor Appreciation Sunday. I want to thank all of you. Thank God for each one of you. Thank you. God bless. Hi, Hi everyone. I'm uh, Reverend Gabriel and together with me is my family. Uh, I remember last year and as we moved from Bintulu to uh, Kuchin FMC here, uh, we moved along with 100 over boxes and thank God for all the help from uh, both leaders and members in helping us to move the staff and help us to move into our current uh, parsonage. Yeah, even though we haven't been here for very long, but uh, I think we've been through quite a bit this few months. Uh, but because of that, you know, we really experienced the love and care of the church members here. So we really want to thank you all so much and thank God for all of you here. And we're looking forward to know you all better. Yeah, and we want to just uh, appreciate and thank you all, all again. It's a family. One, Hi. two, three. Thank, thank you, everyone. And God bless. Hi, my dear friends. I am Pastor Ding. I'm Amelia. And I'm Ding Thank you, everyone, for your love, especially in the form of food. <laughs> Receive all the good foods, vegetable, cake. Coffee. Thanks for all your blessings. Yeah, and your love. I appreciate a lot of your kind words, encouragement, and especially those true comments that help me to grow. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, brothers and sisters, thank you for your concerns for me, um, whether it's on spiritually, uh, physically, mentally, and I thank you for the prayers and support uh, in my pastoral ministry. And especially, I wanted to give thanks to uh, my fellow advisors and leaders in you fellowship. 
and I thank you for accompanying me. Um, we grow together and we help each other together and also we serve together. And thank you for um, the service. Thank you. We want to thank all of you again. From honor and provision, then to the next point that's very difficult. The second part of this passage, Paul then tells Timothy, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. And so the next point is accusation and discipline. Now, Paul, when he wrote this, he knew and he affirmed that pastors are just human. Pastors fall, pastors sin, they're regular people, they make mistakes, and yet we want um, a... So, so that's why this passage is talking about how do we handle accusation of a pastor when the integrity or when there is a moral failure. Paul himself was in a situation when he knew that Peter did something wrong. Now, if you know the history of the church, Peter was an earlier leader, a more senior leader, whereas Paul was a younger person who came in. And yet in Galatians chapter 2, it says that now uh, Cephas is a Peter, all right, when he came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, what Peter did was that he used to have meals together with the Gentiles. And when the Jews came, he was afraid of what the Jews would say. And so then he stayed away. And so verse 14, Paul says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, you are a Jew and yet you live like a Gentile. And so here, Paul, when he saw a leader failing, he came and told the leader in his face. Now, very sadly, if you know the history or the current situation in many, many churches, when a pastor or a leader fails, what do we do? We talk behind the back. There will be gossips and rumors, and in the past there used to be poison letters, now it's poison emails, or on Facebook, and then the whole world knows about it. But no correction is done. And that's very sad. And I'm sure many of you know about the sexual abuse of children in churches. Up to today, it is still, certain parts is still being covered up. What do you do when a pastor commits a crime? You move the pastor to a different place, isn't it? Or you cover up. And many of you would remember this, how funds of the church was used for personal benefit personal gain. The pastor and the leaders then had to go to jail. And it's very, very sad that I read this, that there is a huge denomination in the US 
And recently, this came out armed with a secret list of more than 700, not 7, not 70, but 700 abusive pastors for this denomination. What did they do? They chose to protect the denomination from lawsuits rather than protect the people. And then finally, of course, many of us know that it had to be a public resignation when the pastor had to step down. Friends, when things like this happen, will the church recover? The victims, the abuser, the family members, the church, all suffer. And so when Paul tells Timothy, when there is an accusation, confront it. Take two or three witnesses and make sure it is the right thing. And then you deal with it. And what we need to do is to think about rescue and restoration. We all have sin, we all have failures. And so do pastors, so do leaders. But how it is handled, never to be swept under the carpet, never to be covered up. But to think of restoring the person so that both the church, the family, the individual, the ministry can be restored. We do not turn a blind eye. Truth in love is importance. And so that's why I said these two topics from this, from this passage, provisions and discipline, honour and accusation. It's very sensitive, but it needs to be brought out to the open. Recently, I heard a doctor say that if there's any bad things about him, please tell it to him in his face. And then behind his back, tell people all the good things. And so I tweaked that a little bit and I thought that it would be very, very appropriate the way that we uh, 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 relate with our pastors. That before me, tell me my weaknesses, my mistakes, my flaw. And then what? Help me grow. The pastor also needs to grow together with the flock. And then behind my back, share my ministries and give glory to God. And so I'm thankful on behalf of the pastoral team here at FMC. I want to thank all of you again. Many of you have helped us grow. Uh, this morning I told the Chinese congregation that sometimes uh, I, I, I pronounce the words wrongly or I use the wrong word and I appreciate uh, members coming to me and correcting me and helping me improve my uh, Mandarin. And for the English congregation or for the church at large, I make my mistakes. Sometimes I forget, sometimes I you know, don't say what I mean and don't mean what I say. And I appreciate the reminders, the correction. And so then together, uh, we would grow. And I would say the same thing for the team here. And so, as we celebrate Pastor's Appreciation Sunday, I pray that we will all continue to grow as a family. Let us pray. 
Father, we are thankful to you. Thankful that it was your idea through the early church leaders to set up what we will call a church or a congregation. And you gave wisdom to the leaders in appointing different uh, leaders, different roles, different functions. And so on this Pastor's Appreciation Sunday, I want to thank you for this church. Thank you for the way that you brought this church to uh, being, to blossom, to bloom, to grow until we are where we are today. And over the years, you have sent different pastors to uh, lead the church, to grow and to work together with the members. And so I'm thankful to you, God. And so as we continue to journey on, I pray that you will bless this congregation here. And together with the pastors, we will continue to grow in love for you, for one another and for the world as we offer up ourselves for your use. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.